Hello and welcome to Everyone's a Critic. Unfortunately, we had a minor technical problem with the beginning of the introduction. It didn't record it. So we're going to be joining the dialogue just as Joe starts talking about previous guests we've had on. Nathan Goggin joins us for this episode. So welcome, Nathan. Here we go. Kyle, who's since joined the team. Yes, he's um, marketing. And we have Joe. We have Joe Nichols, who brought on uh, the, the gift. gift. We've had the guest and the gift. The guest and the gift, and Deadpool. Nah, that's and the, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, we're bringing Deadpool to the show now. Uh, Nathan has decided that. Well, why? Why? What made you think that Deadpool might well, be? Because I think it's a change for Marvel. Yeah, you know, not, it hasn't been done before. No one's seen something so quirky, so crude as a superhero movie. Yeah, and it, it was received so well. It was received really well. Yeah, you know, Ryan Reynolds worked on that script for what ten years. Yeah, yeah, and he he was like he was scouted out to be Deadpool ages and ages ago. I remember reading about this, and they hadn't come to it because they thought like he will carry off like the quick wittedness, the the crudeness, yeah. um, but he didn't want to do it unless it was R rated. Because I used to read, um, come on, this more, but I used to read Wolverine and Deadpool comics, um, and I thought he'd be perfect for it. But I, th- I think it's like an interesting. Okay, that's a little taster yeah. of what's yeah, the I'll get carried away. Yeah, let's not get carried away. Yeah, keep them hungry. Yeah. Um, so, what have we seen over the last couple of weeks? I went to see, well, sorry, I watched at home uh, The Fault in Our Stars, starring Shalene Woodley. Um, that was, I think that was. Post Spectacular Now, um, yeah. really put her on the map. Spectacular Now, as we know, was a sort of quite a small film. We did it as Hidden Gems. Um, and I think her performance in that is slightly fresher, slightly more wide eyed, and a, more nuanced in a way. This is a slightly more polished performance. Um, yeah, well, it's a bigger, more polished film, I'd say. Yeah, it's, it's less sweet and more kind of. I found it incredibly full-on. I read a review by Peter Bradshaw who said he felt he'd been mugged emotionally. Yeah. That, that was how he described it. <laughs> I can, I can it. see that. I he, can see that. He said that he felt sad, you know, he felt the emotions that you were supposed to feel, but he kind of was pissed off about that because he felt that it just threw it at you so much and that it wasn't particularly tactful in the way that it did it. Yeah, it's, it's very manufactured in a way. Like, I, mm. I read the book of that, and I, I love the book, I think. It's and the book makes a big thing of like this is a story that seems like it should be all emotional, it should be um, like this, but yeah. it makes it feel so much more real. It doesn't make it feel very manufactured at all, which is what I loved about the book. And the film doesn't quite capture that, I think, and it's quite hard for the film to do that because mm. it's a first person book as well. I think films will really struggle. Yeah, to, yeah. to properly convey that. Yeah, it had a synthetic kind of quality. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, it sounds quite critical. I, I did enjoy it. Yeah. And, yeah, I just... Yeah, I, it wasn't as good as Spectacular. Did it surprise you? Um, oh, again, I tried not to do any research, so yeah. I read reviews afterwards. Um, and, yeah, I, I was... It did hit me emotionally, mm. but, like, in a way that was... Yeah, felt kind of forced on top of me rather than. Did you feel pissed off? An interaction. I didn't feel. No, I didn't feel pissed off. I, I didn't think it was a. I didn't think it had its heart in the right in the wrong yeah. place. You know, I didn't. I didn't feel um, its intentions were bad or anything like that. I just kind of felt. Um, yeah, I just felt that it was taking a topic that it, it's almost. It's almost like you can't do that topic without mm. having an emotional impact. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And it kind of relies on the material to have the impact rather than um, necessarily the, the power of the characters and the power of the performances. Not that they weren't present as well, 
So, no, it's an interesting one. Yeah. Know, if anyone else has seen it, I'd be interesting to, interested to hear what your thoughts on it are. Um, but have you guys seen anything? Yeah, I, well, I rewatched um, the like, old school, uh, it was the early 70s Disney Robin Hood, the one where Robin Hood's a fox. Yeah, um, they're all foxes, aren't they? <laughs> no, no, there's like Mar- 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 Marion. Yeah, yeah, they're Marion's a fox. Yeah. Um, is she? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, She's pretty hot. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting because like, it was like a choice between we wanted to watch like you know a choice like an old school Disney film and between that Alice in Wonderland and Dumbo. It was pretty late. I just wanted something that'd be nice. Dumbo is a pretty sad movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's, yeah. that's full on. Talk about Fort and Stars and Dumbo. Yeah, yeah and Dumbo. <laughs> Is like emotional, but I don't think manipulative. It's just like wow, yeah, you know, you got mm. fucked over basically. It is one of the best Disney films. Yeah, but I don't think I was really ready for that. As one I thought was like too trippy. Mm. Kind of thing. Like, there's a lot going on in there, and then this is like animated. As one like this yeah. isn't like oh I'm Johnny Depp. Or, yeah, um, or whatever one of the Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I thought you know Robin Hood. That was that'd be nice. That'd be a nice film. But I thought. A lot more nuances in that, like the um, the cockerel who sings through all the time. Yeah. He's like the folk singer oh, at the yeah, beginning. I that, yeah. um, he's like a narrator. Yeah, he's a narrator. Yeah. yeah, and just like little bits, you know, where he splits the arrow, um, or yeah. when they they like putting the money across in the bags. Yeah, it's great. It's really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Um, that brings back a lot of memories. Yeah. What about you, Nathan? Um, be a bit of the thriller season for yeah. me. Um, no Country for Old Men. That's a great show. No, I watched last Sunday great. again. Mm. Have you ever have you Oh man, it, it really does that, that cold feel. It's such a cold character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really cold character. Yeah. I love it because he does succeed at the end. Yeah. He gets what he wants. Mm. Josh Brolin plays that plays brilliantly. Woody Harrelson's in it. I think. Yeah, Woody the Cinematography great, just really. Really captures the whole scene together, especially when Josh Brolin's running from the Mexican drug cartel mm. and he's running through the desert, and all that natural lighting of him running, running from the bulldogs, jumping into the, the lake, the river, and it's fantastic. And I really thought it was such a cold film, and really well done. Yeah, mm. I think what's really amazing about that film is the sound design, yeah. and just you hear everything. There's a real, if anything, like lack of music. Just that absence mm. of noise, so you hear every tiny little detail and just makes you feel more tense, I think. Well, yeah, because you feel like you get more involved in it. Yeah. There's no music to build it up, it's just you're hearing all this, just essentially some cases of white noise and it's just really yeah. creeping up on you. Yeah, yeah. and it, it's interesting because it's a Coen Brothers film where you have a character who you know discovers this money and gets way, over, over, yeah. way in over his head, mm. and before, you know, obviously this is based on a Cormac McCarthy novel, before when they've penned the script, it's had a comical edge to it, do you know what yeah. I mean? But it was interesting to see what they did with a, a book that really had no comedy in it at all, do you know what I mean? Could, could they play it straight-faced and could they have the mm. impact that the novel had? And as you said, it's just so bleak and stark and that central performance by Javier Bardem is just so cold. It was, it was almost like a horror-like character. He was yeah, like, yeah, him yeah, in that shotgun. Completely. was like, you know, yeah, him, yeah. And, him and the hair. machete. Yeah, the hair, the hair, I think it was amazing. It yeah. worked so well. That really yeah. added to his whole character. Yeah, yeah. Remember that sense of foreboding you had when he's flipping a coin with the guy at yeah. the gas oh, yeah. station? That's fantastic. Whether he's going to live or die. Yeah. yeah. Have you guys read the book? No, I haven't. Have no. Yeah, I have. Yeah. Well, it's, how's how's it's the book really It's it's great. It, the book is great, and it reads like the film is as well. Oh, that's and good, yeah. Another Cormac McCarthy novel that was turned into a film is The Road. 
Yeah, I've seen that. That is really, really bleak. I mean, that is. I went to see that with my dad, which was a big mistake. If anyone knows how it ends, it's just horrible. I mean, I came out with like a pit in my stomach. You know that thing where you have to go. You know, you need to go to McDonald's or something. You need to be around light and people after a film like that. You know, I would never watch it again. I, I had it in the film. I tried reading the book, and I felt the book was just quite like the road was dark. The boy asked the man, "Will we eat yet?" Like oh, really? that, and that was just that over and over and over again. But it's it's that base language, isn't it? It's yeah. that kind of that's what he's trying to get across. They that, did keep that barrenness. Yeah. They kept that dark atmosphere all the way through, which really, really helps. I, I really like Theo mm. Mortensen. Um, yeah, no, he's a really yeah. talented guy. Yeah, definitely. He hasn't really been. I haven't seen him that much recently. I think he's quite picky. Yeah. He does the occasional... He's History of Violence. He did that. Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. was a good film. It's supposed to be good. Which I was, which was a really good film. I've seen History of Violence. Yeah. Plays an unbelievable character. It's kind of surprising when it all comes. Mm. I don't want to tell you much because you haven't seen it. It'd be a good yeah. film for you to see. But when he, when it starts coming together about a quarter way through the film and he starts mm. figuring stuff out for yourself, you're like, oh my God, this this is him. Yeah. Well, I, I, did, I didn't know that. It wasn't him before. I, I shouldn't tell you much. You should really see it. It's okay. a great film. Okay. So, History of Violence, good one to watch. Um... Okay, fantastic. So coming up, we have a couple of new releases for you. Joe, today you went to see... Elvis and Nixon. Frost Nixon. Wait, Elvis. Elvis, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Imagine Frost Nixon, but instead of David Frost, Elvis Presley. Yeah. <laughs> and also it's nothing like Frost Nixon. I'm really, I'm really looking forward to hearing about that. Um, and I went to see the new Independence Day film, probably the biggest... Well, is it? Biggest blockbuster out this week, um, certainly on paper it is, yeah. um, whether the box office is reflecting that um, remains to be seen. And then we have our sequel section, 21 and 22 Jump Street, and last but not least we are doing Deadpool as mentioned before with our guest Nathan, who is going to be talking about that along with us in light of the whole superhero franchise. Yeah, yeah. Alright, stay tuned. Stay tuned, coming up. Elvis and Nixon. Hello and welcome back to Everyone's a Critic. So, um, just earlier this evening, around 6.30, I went to see Elvis and Nixon at the Crouch Home Picture House, yep. yet again, please sponsor us. Um, and it's, this is a, it's an interesting one, because I saw a trailer for this ages ago. Like I, You know when you get in those kind of YouTube black holes, you get sucked <laughs> in, you're like, oh, yeah. I'll go to bed, but I'll watch this trailer, I'll watch that trailer. And I stumbled upon it, and I was like... Elvis and Nixon, Kevin Spacey and Michael Shannon. Okay, I've got to see what this is like. Yeah, because I was on IMDb looking up like releases mm. next week, and it was like Elvis and Nixon. So mm. that, that must be a typo. Yeah, right. I think and the thing I... that interested me the most, I was like Kevin Spacey as Nixon. I was like, I think he might have just sold me just alone on that. Yeah, I, yeah. I think that's great casting. Well, I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah, it, well, yeah. he's he's famous for his presidency on the small screen. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's so I saw this a few months ago. And I was like, I'll be interested to see what this is like. And there are already re- some reviews out. I think it was maybe released in the states a while ago. Um, but I was inter- interested to see what it was like. I had no idea when it was coming out, and you told me, you know, it was coming out this weekend. So yeah, um, I went to see it, and 
It's an interesting one. So it's based on an actual meeting that I don't know anything about, but there's this one picture of Ellis meeting Nixon in 1971, and it's the most requested picture in the National Archives, more than like the Man on the Moon or anything else. Hmm. Um, and you know, there's there's a bit right at the beginning of the film saying like Richard Nixon started um, recording all his telephone calls and um, meetings in the Oval Office, July 1971. Richard Nixon met Elvis in 1970. There is no record of this. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it's basically saying we've taken a lot of poetic license with this. Like, yeah, this yeah. is what we think may have happened. Oh, okay. So it's like a, a reconstruction, but yeah. not based on not you know, by, yeah, uh, yeah, any not, hard evidence. No, no. Um, so it's based on kind of Elvis's people who knew Elvis, what he was like at that time, and Nixon. You know, and Nixon's being portrayed on screen by many, many people, as you know, has Elvis. Hmm. Um, so it's based around the a lot of kind of the first two thirds of the film I'd say are around trying to organise this meeting. Um, so about Elvis deciding, you know, it's best for him and his country that he meet Nixon and become a federal agent at large. Which is lots of discussion in the film that that doesn't even exist. Like that's what does he mean become a federal agent at large? So he wants to become part of the FBI or Elvis. Yeah, um, or part of... This like, is ridiculous. Or, yeah, honestly, or part of the drug squad because he thinks America's going to... What, what go, year going was this? 1970. So 1970. this is Elvis past oh, his peak. Yeah. You know, he's, this is Elvis in his, like, in his on, Vegas years. Yeah, on right. drugs, yeah. Yeah, but, but he's also just like, you know, we need to clamp down on the war on drugs, they're ruining our kids. Um, so, <laughs> so he's played by Michael Shannon, and I think that's the most interesting part in a way because... You think, you know, Michael Shannon is a great actor, mm. but you wouldn't necessarily, necessarily say he looks like Elvis Presley. Mm. Um, well, I did see him in makeup, and he, he looked quite convincing. Yeah, and it's, he kind of grows into it right. um, a lot. At first, you're like, oh, I don't really believe this, but by the end. And he kind of, he plays Elvis as this, like, basically very wrapped up in someone's, someone's own fame, and someone's own image. So, and crazy, like, he always has, he has all these, like, firearms on him, like, he has, like, a handgun, like, a, a double holster in his chest and one in his ankle. Uh-huh. Um, so, kind of, kind of crazy, but also completely self-aware of his image and his celebrity and willing to exploit that. So, quite, um, like, a double-edged sword. He, I think he played him very well, because he, he could have just played him as a fool completely, or could have been written as, like... This is Elvis, he's an idiot, he thinks he can become a federal agent just by seeing Nixon. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Kevin Spacey just turns it on, you know. It's, it's more Michael Shannon's film, I'd say. Does he just do the Kevin Spacey? He does the Kevin Spacey, Nixon, and he's... Uh, there's a bit at the yeah. beginning where there's like, oh, so, you know, uh, this morning you're seeing, um, you know, the president of Congo with all these foreign dignitaries, and at around one, um, you'll see Mr. Presley, and he's like, wait, wait, <laughs> Elvis Presley... Like, who the fuck organised this? And then they cancel all the opening credits. Really? Yeah. So it's, it's a good intro. That sounds, have, and what about music? Have they got any Elvis songs in there? They, they, didn't, they didn't get any rights, so they haven't got a lot of Elvis music in there, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, That's, a That's a yeah, shame. Yeah, it is a shame. I think it would have benefited a lot from that. Um, but you... It's not like a musical biopic, like no, all the stuff. No, so exactly. You don't Very, feel yeah. that he, like Michael Shannon has to perform at all because he does. By the end, he is Elvis. He completely embodies that. It's one of those films, you know, kind of um, that takes a specific moment in someone's life, isn't it? Rather yeah. than talks about, you know, 
the whole their life as a whole. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, do you have a clip now? Yeah, yeah, I've got a clip. So it's a it's a short clip of um, two of uh, Elvis's kind of entourage trying to organise this meeting with a couple of Nixon's assistants. Who's he? He's our driver. He's down. Meaning he's hip. He's cool. Walk with us. Look, we want to make this work just as much as you guys, but he just doesn't see the value in meeting Elvis. So there's nothing we can do today? Nope. What about tomorrow? No. How about something casual? Not even a meeting like a drink or something. Look, Jerry, we tried. He's just... Nixon is... He's just old-fashioned, right? He's from a different era. What about Saturn? Maybe a coffee? No, no, no. The president is going to be at Camp David all weekend with his wife and daughters. His daughters? Hmm. Yeah. Gentlemen, I think we have a solution. So there's, you know, at the end they say, oh, his daughters. And that's kind of a theme running throughout. And that's his way in, I assume. Yeah, that's his way, and that's you know his his general effect on women. Mm. You know, even uh, as he gets older, yeah. it's nineteen seventy. You know, his peak was in the the mid fifties. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, and but his very knowing ability to be able to exploit that, even if it is kind of his end is crazy, his his means are quite um, canny, yeah. really. And I think that's the key to the film that it's slightly ridiculous but you go along with it because the form performances are so spot on and it's funny that it's like it's very fun more than anything i'd say it's like a comedy like a romp almost does it have a does it have a polit- any political issue at all not like, really they kind of, a lot like, of nixon films obviously are based on you know the controversial politics that were around at that time yeah they you know they, they kind of poke fun at nixon and his paranoia um, and you know he's feeling like oh the, the left are out to get me yeah, yeah. Uh, the did, communists that's did a, that's um, a Kevin Spacey bring any comical sense to yeah no he did but in you know in a way that was believable like you know yeah. that Nixon would get across um, and yeah his his timing is very good and, you know he, again he's he's kind of very self aware of that character um, if you compare it to other Nixon films the other Nixon film I've seen is Frost Nixon which that's I still prefer I think Frost Nixon brilliant. is is a really, Great really film. fantastic film. Um, I think, I, in a way, I guess I prefer Frank Langella in that, um, mm. but they're very different versions of him, and they're doing very different things. Yeah. Um, I think in Frost Nixon, Frank Langella very much gets the tricky-dicky aspect of him that you really can't pin him down. Um, and for someone who seems so obviously uh, you know, morally corrupt and paranoid, why can't you prove him wrong? Whereas in this, you know... This is 1971, you know, a year before he wins uh, the second election. You know, he was, Nixon was pretty popular, but in that kind of backlash against civil rights and... Uh, so you know, this is much earlier against the yeah, yeah, against the kind of general uh, free love movement of the 60s. Mm. Uh, but it's about like, oh, you know, if we get... You know, as you see there, Colin Hanks, son of Tom, who actually, you know, I've seen him in a few things. I really like Colin Hanks. And you close your eyes and he... Although he really sounds like him. Really? Yeah, he often does. I don't know whether that's like a thing you pick up or a genetic thing. Um, Has he been in anything else? Yeah, a few other things. He he was in some TV shows and he was in a film called Orange County. Have you seen him in anything? 
was it Fargo the TV series? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was in the TV series. Yeah, it was Fargo, yeah. and it was it was pretty good because that was a great TV series. Yeah, mm, yeah, yeah, really that, good. That was good. Yeah, he doesn't. I think he probably he doesn't really look anything like Tom Hanks. I don't think. Yeah. Um, he kind of he sounds a little bit like him, but in terms of the voice being similar, it reminds me of uh, kind of a, an outtake. I can't remember what chat shirt was, but that for the like Woody uh, action figures, Tom Hanks can't be bothered to do that. So he gets his brother, who does a really, really good Woody kind of Tom Hanks impersonation, oh, right. <laughs> to do it for him to earn a bit of money. So if you ever have like a Woody doll and you pull the you know the ring at the back, it's like there's a snake in my boot. That's Tom Hanks' brother. <laughs> to get you to do it. Yeah, <laughs> it's like he was in the room, guys. Next time you buy a Woody doll, it could be Joe Stevens yeah. coming out of it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. So playful. Yeah, playful, Pretty fun, cool. you enjoy it. It's not necessarily like a... You could probably see it on a small screen. Um, yeah. But I'd, I'd recommend it if you like Elvis and you like a, that particular vision of him. And you like Nixon. And yeah, and I, what? <laughs> yeah. You like you know, Elvis, you true. like Nixon. Logic, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on a Venn diagram of people that like Elvis. Yeah. And like I, I, Nixon. Think, I think that's what makes it so funny because they're, yeah. they're similar people who you'd expect not to be similar at all, uh, and that's why I think it's so requested. Because like Elvis and Nixon, surely not. Yeah. And a lot of you know that, that meeting they have there is about Nixon being like, you know, why do I want to be yeah. a rock star? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but it's about that they're actually quite similar in I mean, both the mental. Yeah. Yeah, did yeah. the film did the film drag on or was no? There's I not mean, a lot of content there to. No, so I lengthy. felt like you know the first two thirds it did a bit go, but it did get a bit like you know. Can they meet already? You know, there's a lot of build up to it. And Alex Pettifer is in it of Stormbreaker fame. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and um, Magic Mike. Yeah, yeah, Magic Mike. And he was. I read some reviews, you know, I tried on the reviews, but I read them before I knew I was reviewing this. Yeah. Um, said, you know, his character, you know, is a bit needless on the side. But actually, I thought he was oddly um, quite, quite believable. And he's kind of part of the entourage. Um, but doesn't want to be, and he kind of is brought on back through Elvis, like, you know, uh, this guy Jerry's like, oh, Jerry, I need you to come with me, and he's trying to get back in time, because his, you know, his girlfriend's parents are coming over, and he wants to propose to his girlfriend, but, you know, he's brought back by Elvis to accompany him to this ridiculous jaunt to become a federal agent at large. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of a side story, but I think he brings a bit of believability into it, into, you know, he knows the real Elvis. Right, okay. And there's a few kind of shots into Elvis's real personality and who he is and the fact that he doesn't like that he's seen as, you know, Elvis, the character. You know, he's a real person. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I was quite impressed by Alex Pettifer, actually. He's, he's quietly quite good. Mm-hmm. So he hasn't been in much since. Yeah, I haven't no, seen him in stuff but no, And Johnny Knoxville. Johnny? <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, uh, another part of Elvis's entourage. There's like two of them. Okay. Um, and he's more like kind of very much still part of Elvis's entourage, exploiting it for everything yeah. he can. <laughs> One of the Stranger films you'll see this year, then, probably. Yeah, it's Stranger, but it's uh, a good description I've heard of it was cute. It's like, it's nice, <laughs> you know, you'll watch it like, you know, on DVD or um, online or something, and it'll be, it'll grow on you, and you'll, be, you'll laugh. You'll laugh and you'll smile, I think. You'll laugh and you'll smile. That's a good. Yeah. That's a good way to sum it up. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Great. Um, coming up, we've got Independence Day two. What was it? Resurgence. Resurgence. Yeah. I actually, I don't think it is Independence Day two. I think it's Independence Day Resurgence. Resurgence. Yeah. Yeah. 
So reboot, reload, reboot, reload, research, yeah. whatever. Um, yes. So coming up, stay tuned, guys. So we just had um, Elvis versus Nixon. No, sorry, Elvis and Nixon. I actually accidentally typed that to to someone, and it was like Elvis versus Nixon. Are you really sure you're going to say that? Is that a film? <laughs> I kept calling it that in my mind. Yeah, because I was so used to Frost Nixon. Um, okay, so moving on, we have Independence Day Resurgence, which is the sequel to the 1996 film Independence Day, um, directed by Roland Emmerich, who is probably seen as the king of these kind of movies. I mean, if you think of a disaster film, The Day After Tomorrow, 2012, um, White House Down, wasn't it, uh, with Channing Tatum. Yeah. Not a disaster film, but, you know... He loves blowing stuff up. But in, in, but in a sort of non-Michael Bay... Oh, yeah, right. yeah. I was, <laughs> was, was going to like, please don't think he's yeah. Michael Bay. Yeah, exactly. He's like a good version of Michael Bay. So a more sophisticated... Yeah, because he, you know, he's he's a guy that understands character development right. as well as the need to blow stuff up. Yeah. Yeah. We all like to <laughs> see stuff blowing up. Um, so yeah, so Independence Day, nineteen ninety six. Very much of this review is going to be talking about the, the original because I'm a huge fan of the original. I think it is yeah. the perfect yeah. disaster film. Um, in that, it has pretty much everything in it. It has. Um, you know, you really care about the characters, which makes all the action just so much better. At the time, the special effects were really groundbreaking. Um, and even watching it now, it was on television the other day, the, the special effects still look great. You yeah. don't sit there thinking, oh, I'm watching a 1996 film. But you know what I think is? I think it was the pinnacle of the 90s action era that added to it. Oh, completely, mm. yeah. And I think, as you were saying, I don't think very few 90s action films have aged as well as Independence Day. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. It doesn't really look dated um, at all. And I think a lot of films around that time period of the same ilk do look dated. Um, so anyway, so 20, 20 years on, we have Independence Day resurgence. So at the end of the first Independence Day, you know, I'm sure everyone knows the aliens were fought off planet Earth. And, uh, with Jeff Goldblum's MacBook. With Jeff Goldblum's, <laughs> yeah, old computer. And, uh, and a couple of cigars. And a couple of cigars yeah. and Will Smith's charm. Um, <laughs> so, so here we have Independence Day resurgence where the aliens come back. You know, we always knew they'd come back. And really that sums it up quite well in, in that... It's very strange how much money Independence Day took, and to think that it's taken 20 years for them to decide to do a remake. Yeah, I think it's because I saw Ray Lemerick saying he doesn't really like doing sequels, but he thought this would be an interesting experiment. Maybe, maybe that's why it took so long. I mean, it's either because he's made a couple of films recently that... I mean, I was looking at his back catalogue, and he's yeah. still fairly could make, making fairly profitable films, yeah. you know, and they're getting decent reviews, so yeah. I don't know what made him decide to come back now. You would have thought that mm. they would have been chasing him after a year or two after mm. it made so much money to remake it. So why it's 20 years later is, you know, it's a bit bizarre. So anyway, the plot um, is exactly 20 years later from the first one, but what Mankind has done is it's used all the alien technology to create its own sort of spacecraft which is influenced by alien technology mm. so as opposed to the first one where you had sort of fighter planes in an almost battle of britain type way yeah do you know yeah, definitely I mean? definitely that's which a really was, good analogy actually. which was real kind of mankind versus aliens here one of the things i i liked less about it was that 
it was almost alien on alien action because mm. they're using like the alien technology. So it's like it's a bit Star Warsy in that instead of bullets being fired, they're like green beams of light. Do you know what I mean? It's unfortunate. Yeah, exactly. Which kind of decreases that contrast between mankind and aliens, us and them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and so it's got most of the original cast apart from Will Smith. Apart from Will Smith. So I heard that they you know, offered in the script. And he was like, that'll be $50 million, please. I'm like, oh, wait, no, sorry, your character died. Really? I've got to tell you. Yeah, no, he's not in that film. Yeah, his character, his character has died. It, one of the major problems with the film is that they've taken nearly all of the old cast, mm. minus Will Smith and a couple of others, and they've added a host of new characters. So I'll just briefly explain the plot. I'm not going to explain it in full because we'd literally be here all day. Um, the aliens come back. Um, we've got alien technology now with which to fight them. We've got um, Hemsworth, Liam Hemsworth, yeah. playing a fighter pilot who's based up on the moon on in some spaceship. Of course. As, as you do. <laughs> and he's kind of a renegade, and he has a friendship, a twisted friendship with Will Smith's son, who's also a fighter pilot. He nearly killed Will Smith's son in training, so there's a bit of rivalry there. Just, just bounce. Just, <laughs> it's it's quite serious actually. And he's going. Liam Hansworth is going out with Micah uh, Monroe, who was in It Follows. Okay. She's really good in that. Um, and the guest. She's the girl from the guest. Oh, okay. Yeah, she's so yeah. She's a good actress. Um, he's going out with her. She's the president's assistant. She's actually also the ex-president's daughter, Bill Pullman's daughter. Uh. Bill Pullman's. He's hanging around as well. He's gone a bit mad, he's in a home, but now he knows the aliens are going to come back because they're connecting with him on some psychological level. I feel like that president always kind of belonged in a home, a little bit. What? Bill Pullman's <laughs> president? Yeah. Yeah, he... Uh, I mean, I don't know why he's there, it's never really explained. So you have him, you know, pissing around, then you've got Jeff Goldblum as a scientist. Of course. He goes to Africa to investigate one of the ships that went down in the last film. Uh, some weird stuff is happening there, and you get a leader of a tribe there as well who has been drawing weird symbols that the aliens have been telekinesis to his head. Um, and it, it's all starting to kind of come together. So anyway, it's just a smorgasbord of just like 100 characters. The cast mm. is almost as long as the plot, and that's saying something. And I think that's one of the problems with the film. The cast list for the first film was quite extensive. Um, you had about four or five different plot lines, you know, in a kind of coming together in a sort of love actually way. Um, and here, it's, it's much the same, but it's just ramped up. And I feel like it's, they spread the butter a little too thinly. So did you build any connections with any characters? Well, this is the problem. I mean, I, I do think... Here's what I think. I think Liam Hemsworth is... I actually really like Liam Hemsworth mm. as an actor. I think he does that kind of cocky, funny... He's almost he's kind of supposed to be Will Smith's successor in this, and he's not quite that good. Mm. But I feel like if he was given more time and more scenes, and if they focused on his relationship with Will Smith's son, it would have been better. Rather than they're kind of in with another four or five characters in the same spaceship, um, so you never really get that one-on-one -on -one dynamic that you had towards the end of the first Independence Day, which really makes that film. Yeah, um, I'm going to play a short clip here, and this is. Jeff Goldblum. You have to play a Jeff Goldblum clip because, you know, it's Jeff Goldblum. Um, and this is them talking about what happened the last time the aliens came and they're in Africa and um, there's some psychological stuff going on. It's pretty self-explanatory. Here's a clip. Uh, 
Uh, at least your father spared the elephants. Good for him. Look, the Roswell crash in 47, the farmer who made contact drew the same circle. And every time I interview one of my patients and show them this, they all express the same emotion. Fear. And I don't think it's a circle. The night the ship turned on, I experienced the strongest vision I've ever had. And I drew this. That's incredible. How'd you decipher so much of their language? They were hunting us. We had to learn how to hunt them. My God. <laughs> it's great to see his face on screen. His personality, I do. Yeah, love. I love Everyone Jeff loves Goldblum. a bit of Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. They do. yeah, I know. And But there is an extent to which he's now just doing the Jeff Goldblum thing. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He's, not, he's just playing Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. Um, you know, and I don't have a problem with that because I like Jeff Goldblum. But... Again, as I said before, it, he's not really central. No one's really central. It's very hard mm. to pinpoint uh, the central kind of character development of the film. And a lot of it seems a little bit kind of half-hearted. For instance, you know that great presidential speech at the end of the first one? You know, we will not go quietly into the night. Yeah. Yeah. Today will be known as our Independence yeah. Day. Um, they kind of reenact that with Bull Pullman, but he instead of being like addressing the troops before they're about to take off and ninety percent they're going to get killed, he he does it in a hangar up in space where there's like four or five technicians standing around, and as he starts talking, they start listening and kind of turning around, and there's like some really weak orchestral strings going on in the background, uh, and it's just like this is so indicative. Oh, it's so, like you either yeah. do this properly or you don't do it, <laughs> yeah. and it's like halfway through the movie. So I would just have my head in my hands because I was like, that is just so, that was speech was so amazing the yeah. first time. It's like almost a tear in your eye when you mm. listen to it. And now they've tried to redo it, but they've kind of it's like they've decided the last minute. Actually, I don't think this is a good idea. Bill yeah. like pull out, you know, and they've accidentally left an outtake in. So that was really half-hearted. I I don't think um, it's a shame because I really really wanted to like it and I really really wanted it. Um, to thrill me and entertain me is the main thing, you know, because the first one, you know, was so entertaining. And I feel like this one is just, it's a little bit too all, all over the place. Do you think it misses Will Smith? Do you think that's one of its weaknesses? Or do you think the, the, even if Will Smith was in it, it wouldn't? I don't think, I don't, I don't think, I think if Will Smith was in it, yeah, it would have been, it would have been great. But I think that the problem that they have is that they don't give enough time to develop that dual, mm. um, you know, it, we're going to talk about 21 Jump Street in a minute. You know, mm-hmm. the chemistry between those guys is fantastic. They don't give enough um, screen time to Liam Hemsworth and another character to create um, that bond that you really need and that you mm-hmm. had in the first one, which you don't have here, frankly, because there's just too much going on. And in order to keep all the different lines of the script running, I mean, I had the stuff I haven't even mentioned. For instance, Jeff Goldblum's father's in it. He's written a book about how he rescued the, the Earth by mm. that catch a cold comment yeah. and he's trekking across the desert with saving these kids in the school bus and this is like another plot line <laughs> yeah. that's going on and it's yeah. like it's like please okay that's 20 minutes like take that bit out and put in some more character development uh, you know with Liam Hemsworth and someone else so you'd say while Hollywood's not so good 
remakes, which seem to be a really big occurrence nowadays. Yeah, but it's not... A, I don't think it's a cynical remake. I think it's trying... I think it knows what the first one did. Yeah. And I think it does know what the first one did well, because there are the jokes, and it is a light-hearted film. Mm. Um, but I just think... Yeah, I just think they suffer from that thing that most Hollywood remakes suffer from, in that we've got to be so much bigger than that first one. Do you know what I mean? Let's ramp do, up the do budget. Do they destroy a bunch of landmarks? Yeah, they do. Yeah, there's a joke about them. You've probably heard the joke. Yeah, do you want to put any more landmarks in there or something? Yeah. Jeff Goldblum. Well, that's what I was going to say. Did they go even more crazy with the action? They did, yeah. And the action sequences are good and the CGI is done really well. Mm. That's that's one of the good things I'd say about it. And are the aliens just the same alien race who have well, come back? But this is the thing. And, you know, take from this what you will. Um, the aliens are a lot more present in this as like actual beings. Before you really only saw them in planes, do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, yeah. you saw the one that Will Smith punches to death. Yeah, which is Welcome to Earth. <laughs> yeah. And then he punched it, yeah. yeah. That was really funny. That's what I call a close encounter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's brilliant. I know. And it was missing lines as punchy as that. Um, but yeah, no, the aliens are in full force. So what happens is the aliens are trying to harvest the centre of our Earth. I mean, this is a real Thunderbirds plot. So basically, okay. they've got to drill, and this is, this is what happens, they've got to drill to the Earth's core in order to extract the Earth's core, and then it'll rescue their, it'll allow them to keep going with their resources, and there's a harvester queen at the centre of the big spaceship. Kind of like, so, taking on the alien, aliens type thing, there's a queen. Yeah, there. yeah, there's a queen, yeah. and there's, there's also these other aliens that... Um, that are trying to help us because they know how to destroy the bad aliens. I'm serious. There's so much no, going on in this film. Worth going into. Yeah. There is so much going on in this film that I, you know, that, as I said, that I haven't even mentioned, and that is the problem. I think it just does. It just tries to do too much. The plot is contrived. Um, the script. It's it, again. It has those bits in the script where, where a character's like, "So you're telling me we have five minutes to kill the queen that's trying to take away the Earth's core." from the humans that defeated the aliens last time. And it's like, it's just yeah. spoon-feeding the audience. Yeah. Because, you know, at one point I was lost. And, you know, for someone that sees films a lot, you don't want a film critic to be lost in a film that's supposed to be for 12-year-olds to 18-year-olds yeah. to 50-year-olds. So there was, there's a lot of, there's a lot of battle exposition, but the battle was needed. It, yeah, it was necessary, but... Yeah. It shouldn't be necessary yeah. in a yeah. film that's meant for the audience that it's yeah. meant for. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, so yeah, I, I, I was disappointed. I didn't, I didn't not enjoy myself. I did laugh and, you know, it was easy on the eye and it passed the time. Fine. But uh, it does not measure up to the first one. And also, there is definitely a sequel coming. Oh, oh, yeah, I have to say. Yeah, <laughs> because at the end, they're going to go and I think we're going to take the fight to them. Oh, okay, one. brilliant. Yeah. So it'll be a wave. It'll be like going, it, you know, all sequels go on holiday, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> so we'll be off to Mars yeah. for Independence the, Day. The in between is two of. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Magaluf, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, good. Well, yes, I, I, I'm done. Yeah, it sounds like you are. You sound fairly exhausted by yeah, the whole process. I'm really. tired. So yeah. You forced yourself through that one. I did, yeah. Pretty, yeah. So I'll, how many thumbs up? <laughs> I don't know I, again I, I don't want to give it like it's a film that I want to rate as highly as I can mm. because I like the cast I like Ronan Emmerich and I don't think they I just think they dropped the ball a bit but I don't think it's a cynical film I don't think no. they tried to skimp on anything mm. I don't think they were just in it for the money 
I just think they they almost panicked and just threw too much in it's there. It's like five out of ten, maybe. Yeah, I'd probably fifty yeah. percent. Yeah, two and a half stars out of yeah. five, two maybe. In light, it'd be interesting to see what it would look like in, if you hadn't seen Independence Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's it, always the problem. Yeah, yeah, it's always you're comparing, especially when well, it's a great film. We'll talk about that in the next section, which is our sequel section. Big theme this time on everyone's critic. Um, so yeah, 21 and 22 Jump Street coming up. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome back to Everyone's a Critic. So this is our sequel section. Uh, so last we did with sequel section we did Alien and Aliens because I... They had this random move, like cinema screening of it. Yeah, so you um, saw them back to back. Back to back for the first time. Mm. Yeah, it was it was crazy. It was like a really good experience. Quite yeah. harrowing. Have you seen Aliens? Yeah, big fan. Well, for the first few. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we talked about how that really works as a sequel because it's so different and because it doesn't just try to do the same exact thing. Mm. Um, and we thought about kind of other sequels and what makes a successful sequel. So we thought 2122 Jump Street, which is quite recent, um, and the films are similar, but it works, and it works because it knows. I guess, yeah, I guess the question is, if it was a thesis, can you make the same film again and still make people laugh, you know, and still make a good movie? In the case of The Hangover, which is a typical example of when that doesn't work, I think, um, you know, it literally the same gags every time. But in a cynical, kind of done in a cynical way because you felt like they were trying to fool you and make it seem like they hadn't already done this guy. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. what I was thinking as well because there's always those cop films like Lethal Weapon and Rush Hour. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's what I always think. But they've done it so differently because there wasn't that cop that was more serious. They were both as funny as each other. Yeah, and there was, there was a real chemistry. And I think um, and what I really liked about 21 Jump Street was I thought it was actually really um, kind of insightful and observant about like pop culture changes and about you know they have the bit when back in like 2005 when or 2003 when they were finishing high school mm. um, and how, you know, how Channel Chain the Jock was yeah. the really popular one um, yeah, and yeah. how has so much has changed um, and but, now the guy who's like voting for the Green yeah. Party yeah yeah he's like oh he's gay man like, you call me gay that's really homophobic yeah. like how dare you say that <laughs> yeah, he comes out of the car he's like I'm not going to one strap it I've got to two strap it I've got to two yeah, strap yeah. it bro yeah. <laughs> everyone's two strapping it yeah. Yeah. Charlie Taylor's like what the hell is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> um, we should let's explain it quickly yeah so Twenty on Tom Street is basically about um, these two cops in their early 20s who look reasonably young and are drafted to go undercover into a high school to try... Is it a drug bust? Yeah, so there's a drug going around high school, yeah. new drug which everyone's taking, and someone's died, so they need to find... Was it? Find the supplier, investigate the source, I don't know. Yeah, some... Yeah, yeah. something like, I, something <laughs> that Ice Cube keeps repeating. Yeah. Um, so Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill, um, in, yeah, as we said, like a buddy cop film... Obviously, they look extremely different, and yeah. that's one of yeah. the running gags throughout the movie. Um, they have really great chemistry together. Um, so that's the first one. And then the second one is basically exactly the same film, yet it's college rather than high school. Yeah. And whereas in the first one, they went, Channing Tatum wasn't um, the popular one, and Jonah Hill was when they go to college. Channing Tatum is the football star, and Jonah Hill is 
you know, the kind of loser as he would normally be, it I guess, in the real slams. world. Yes. Yeah, it goes to poetry <laughs> slam competitions, and these tensions test their friendship in both movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the, I think the thing that makes 22 Jump Street work, and I was nervous going into it because I really liked the first one, and I think the first one was quite surprised because not many people know this, it was itself like a remake of like an old 80s TV yeah. show yeah, with Johnny yeah. Depp in. If you type 21 Jump Street into Wikipedia, it comes up with a show first rather than yeah. a film. Yeah, uh, when, you know, when Johnny Depp was an 80s TV star before um, Tim Burton saved him, in Johnny Depp's own words. Yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so to kind of be, be successful in its own right was a huge achievement of 21 Jump Street. To then make a sequel, mm. I was like, oh, I'm not really sure about this, but it plays with it, you know, there was a bit of it like, oh, so we're doing the exact same thing? And I was like, yeah, we're doing the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and also... The exact same problem, the car's going to work again. Well, it's funny that you said that, um, you know, it was quite an out there film and people didn't know it wasn't going to work because Ice Cube says in 22 Jump Street, it's like, we don't understand why the first project was such yeah. a success. Yes. <laughs> and we've been given a shitload of money <laughs> to do it again. Yeah. <laughs> and it's that classic thing of a sequel, they always like double the budget for a sequel yeah. or something. Do you know what I mean? And so it's kind of taking the piss out of that. And in a way, that gives it some poetic license and it allows it to get away with putting you know, the same gags in again. Um, and, you know, basically having the same plot. But I think if something's good, and you do it again, and you change it slightly, you know, then that's all right, in a way. Yeah. As long as yeah. it knows what was good about it in the first place. Yeah, and as long as it's knowing, as long as it's, yeah. you know, it's the same plot, but they're making jokes about it being the same plot. Yeah. They didn't overdo it, which is what I enjoyed. They didn't yeah. go too far with the jokes. They didn't really extend themselves, and you think, well, the jokes don't need to be that overextended they just kept it how it was in the first film yeah, they, kept it they just did a different scenario yeah yeah, yeah. and um, I think at the centre of the film is this this idea of the friendship between them mm. and I think friendship is I think it is a film with heart you know it's very easy to look at 21 Jump Street and 22 Jump Street and just say oh, it's just a comedy you know but actually there's some feeling there and you know I think Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill have really great on-screen chemistry yeah and also Channing Tatum as a comic actor I mean he's a funny guy he's a funny guy and I think actually 21 Jump Street was the beginning of people starting to take Channing Tatum more seriously yeah which is ironic considering the role yeah yeah completely considering the role you know before that he was just this kind of dunderheaded you know hunk hunk who has no neck um who, you know, would just be brought out for, you know, the girls like him. But like, oh, he's actually, he knows what he is in this, and he's very funny. Like people are saying about The Rock now, actually. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Are they saying that about The Rock? (laughs) They are, yeah, in that Central Intelligence film. Um, You know, he actually has really good timing. Yeah, yeah. And he's very self-aware. But that's the beginning of that. I know he did Foxcatcher after that. Yeah, um, yeah he so did. It, it's, it's done a lot for Channing Tatum, I think. He's done some, he's, he did Side Effects. Yeah. Steven Soderbergh. He did Magic Mike, which he was really good in. Yeah, Magic Mike was the other thing that came out. But which is the time. same with Jonah Hill, because he had done yeah. super bad. He started out. Yeah. He done Get Him to the Greek, where he's always had that comic acting. But yeah. then you see him in Moneyball. And yeah. you see a whole different side to him. Wolf of yeah. Wall Street. Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. But he can have, he just has a natural... That comedic essence to him, which yeah, I think is really um, good. I will we'll play a clip, and mm. he's um, doing his timing and just the, yeah. the little expressions that he's it's, so good at. Yeah, I mean, for people listening, do go on YouTube and check out the yeah. clips because 
the the facial acting uh, is really fantastic, especially with, with Ice Cube. Yeah, with credit to Ice Cube, his face, yeah. you don't have to. He doesn't have to say anything most most time. You just look at his face and you just think, <laughs> you start laughing hysterically. Yeah. He is really funny. Okay, so this is a clip uh, where Jonah Hill has slept with Ice Cube's daughter. Uh, Ice Cube doesn't realise it yet. Um, yeah, so that's the context. The fuck! It's the same case. Do the same thing. Well, it's not exactly the same case because uh, one of us got laid last night. Schmidt? Shh. Don't wake up my dick. Flew in on the red eye, hasn't gotten a wink of sleep. Damn. We're talking missionary. We're talking missionary. We're talking when I'm on top and she's on her back. She's smart. She's an art major. She can't be that smart. She's a fucking art major. Come on. I will give you some daps, man. Give me Come some motherfucking daps, man. Give me some. Give me some. Give me some. Come on. Ugh. Maya. Hey. Hi. These are my parents. Oh, so this is the girl. <laughs> Hi, I'm Annie. I'm your new mother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> Nice to meet you. Hi. Nice to meet you. Well, uh, my parents are here too. Maya, hurry up. Your mama done found the table she wanted. How do you know this person? Dad, this is Doug, a guy that I'm dating. The fuck? Hi, Alex. How's your classes going, Doug? Yes. You're just in the neighborhood and... I have an idea. Why don't we all sit together? Would that be fun? Yes, thank you. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, so that's like from the second film. Um, and it's just... It's so effortlessly good. And you know what Ice Cube can just be like playing Ice Cube? But he I think plays he's... that serious cop in the comedy film so well, like Ride Along with Kevin Hart when he's yeah. a serious guy there as well. He really does that really yeah, well. I think he's <laughs> utilised in this perfectly. Yeah, no, yeah. you're right. I mean, they understand what he's, his strengths really yeah. well. Yeah. Um, 22 Jump Street also contains that really hilarious scene at the beginning, you know, My Name is Jeff. Yeah, yeah. I think everyone must have seen that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I was... I was weeping with laughter at that scene. I think it was the funniest scene over the two films. Yeah. Um, The other thing I'd say about 22 Jump Street is, you know, because of the Marvel films, I think it's good that people stay in credits now because they get to see everyone who's involved in the film, but they have their little end of credit sequence. 22 Jump Street has the best end of credit sequence. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, out of any film I have ever seen. They've got every theme they could possibly think of. Yeah, I won't give too much away about it, but... It, it, let's say it plays on the sequel thing we've been talking about about doing the same film yeah, yeah no completely I don't think I've ever seen a film as self-referential in terms of sequels go as, no. as this you know no I haven't they're you know they, as explicit no not explicit and you know it's called 21 Jump Street because the thing that you know, the base they're hiding out from is 21 Jump Street so they moved to 22 Jump Street yeah. like, so we literally moved across the street <laughs> so, yeah so um, uh, yeah they're building 23 Jump Street you know they're, they're building a building development just <laughs> yeah. across the road at the moment it'll be ready like next summer and it's an old church yeah. and yeah. instead of they're like where's Korean Jesus <laughs> gone and he's, like, he's busy <laughs> with Korean shit, shit. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. really stupid lines yeah. like that um but they do work surprisingly well. Yeah, yeah. No, I think um, I think the on-screen chemistry, you know, it's, it's, it's the kind of thing that was lacking in this in this yeah. Independence Day that I saw, you know. And that is essentially that's what the body cop genre is about, you know. Historically, mm. yeah. you have like Mel Gibson, you know, and yeah, and Danny Glover. Especially yeah, like post two thousand ten, where comedy has gotten harder to do. 
Yeah, comedy is yeah, a hard so. genre to do. Quite difficult to make people, people, people laugh. People think it's easy, but it's hard. It's like yeah. you have to get things perfect, yeah. really, really spot on to make people laugh. And I think that to have a Hollywood film that's an action comedy crossover, mm. um, you know, we've seen it go so badly wrong. I mean, do you remember Hangover Three, yeah. where it, you couldn't decide whether they were making a comedy or an action film, or even. You know, everyone bangs on about the other guys. I'm not a massive fan of the I other guys. Like the I enjoy the other guys. Yeah, but I think this, I think this is funnier. Than I, the I other think guys. this is probably better yeah. and a bit less reliant on that kind of Will Ferrell just doing mm. the Will Ferrell thing. Mm. I think these guys are actually acting. Do you know what mm. I mean? Rather than just doing that kind of one character, which gets tiresome. You know, that's the reason yeah. Hangover wasn't funny the second time, the third time. Mm. Did we want to see Zach Galifianakis doing that character? Mm. You know, for six hours of film? No, we didn't. We wanted to see him do it in the so first. So would you enjoy to see? 23 Jump Street I, I think I, that would I be awful I, I think I'd still go see it but you I'd can't be make like... a sequel spin-off and make all those jokes and have the end credit sequence and then make another one there's nowhere to go yeah. from here they need to stop now yeah then quit at your peak and that's what I mm. you know that's what I think about um, we'll talk about a bit about Disney in the next yeah. section but about Toy Story 4 very rarely, Is that coming out? Yeah. yeah. Very rarely do you get three fantastic, consistent films. Mm. Why ruin that? Mark Mo said Toy Story is probably the best trilogy ever. Yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd say so for consistency. Yeah. Apart from maybe the Bourne films. Yeah, that's um, a good show. You know, for consistency and all being brilliant, why ruin that? Why take the risk? Mm. Dollar dollar bills. That's why. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd go and see another Jump Street, but I'd be very, very, very worried about it. Mm. You know, I didn't go and see the last uh, before film. Before, no, that's not to do with before um before midnight. Yeah, before midnight. Yeah, I infamously haven't watched that because because the before the first two before films are two of my yeah. favorite films. Mm. I mean, I love Richard Linklater and I love um I love those two movies and I was worried that before midnight would they'd be 10 years older again and it would kind of be about the breakdown of the relationship and I genuinely don't know what happens in it and but I never want to you're not watching because you think it'll be a bad film you're watching because because you love the characters so and I want to maintain yeah. that sweetness uh, yeah. on the bittersweet of the first two relationships yeah. um, you're watching it not because you think they can't do it as a film but because you, you love the characters I'm so sure much. it's a good film but it's like this illusion that I'm not oh. ready to shatter yeah completely so I that, think I will maybe, maybe wait on my deathbed or something yeah. but that would probably be the case with 23 Jump Street because they don't change the jokes too much. It's no. the same humour. But I think having done yeah. that end of credit sequence, they can't yeah. do another one. Yeah, because then they become their own joke. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You know, never say never of Hollywood. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm not sh- saying it's not going to happen. <laughs> they done stranger things. I'm just saying that, yeah, let's, let's hope not anyway. Okay, good. So, two solid films. Yeah. Back to back. I'd Doing more, exactly the same I'd thing. I'd say more than solid. Yeah, very. Yeah. very I actually yeah. really want to go back and watch all yeah, that. <laughs> Just talking about it, yeah. Watching those clips really makes me want to watch it. Okay, fantastic. Um, coming up in our last section, our guest Nathan has brought along Deadpool, which we've both seen, both saw it in the cinema. Yeah. Um, so looking forward to talking about that. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Everyone's a Critic. So, Nathan has brought along Deadpool. Off we go. Yeah, so Deadpool, uh, Ryan Reynolds' film, which he's taken 10 years to get done, which I feel that Marvel looked at the script and felt, 
it's not really what we need, you know. Early in the early two thousands, yeah, Spider Man films, X Men films, they're all your light hearted superhero films. Mm, mm. Whereas this, they didn't know how to react. It's quite a crude. It is a crude superhero yeah. film. It's hard to imagine it being made ten years ago, really, isn't it? Exactly, but if you see, you can't imagine seeing Spider Man, seeing Tobey Maguire, then sweet old Tobey Maguire and Spider Man, and seeing Spider Man, and seeing Ryan Reynolds, yeah. crude jokes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, jokes about wanking, yeah. yeah, and yeah. strap-ons. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but which, I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of Ryan Reynolds personally, but this really changed my mind. He really grew into this character. He wanted it so much, and I think it really done it well. Yeah, yeah. You're watching the whole film, and it's just not it is non-stop comedy. Mm. It's a really good comedy superhero movie, which hasn't been done. Yeah, and I think it's so different. I think, you know, despite the fact that they've been honing this for 10 years... I think Marvel still saw it as a huge risk to make an R-rated uh, superhero film because what you're actually doing is completely alienating a lot of your kind of 12, 13-year-old boy audience uh, by doing that. But it was a huge box office success and actually quite a big critical success because I think it was so different. Um, I think especially when around kind of just about after you had Batman Superman, which took itself so seriously... Yeah. Um, you just you have this film was where that, Zack Snyder one yeah yeah Zack Snyder yeah, yeah, Ben Affleck one um, where it took itself so seriously and it's like these kind of big themes whereas this was just like a Ryan Reynolds film tailor made to him yeah. um, and you know I spoke about a bit in the intro about the fact that you know I used to read Devil Comics because you know I used to read them for, for Wolverine and I had a Deadpool bit in it but he's I describe him as kind of um, Spider-Man's kind of quick wit but with a much dirtier mouth yeah. and you know that he always had to have an R-rated film because it was always you know it was that theme yeah. if they tried to do it worse people would be a huge backlash and they have references into that we talk about in 2122 Jump Street the references to the old one they have references to uh, X-Men um, Wolverine Origins yeah. and how they fucked that up yeah, yeah. Um, which I, I find interesting funny. but also a big factor was breaking the fourth wall yeah, completely, yeah. Which doesn't get done in movies. Yeah. You know, it's always TV. and But it worked so well. It worked really well with him coming to the audience and then everyone felt so involved in it. Everyone was laughing with him. Everyone was thinking, well, I don't need him to come to me. Everyone really enjoyed the fact that he'd come out to the audience yeah. and do a crude joke. And I'm always very sceptical about crude films. Mm. You know, you see like Sasha Baron Cohen and you watch his films and you're like, well... Is there a limit? Is there too is, much? Is it just shock? Yeah. Am I just laughing? Because oh, funny, am I laughing because I'm shocked? Yeah, mm. I mean, there was when I was I watched it in um, the cinema in Brixton, and there was all sorts of ages. There was a, I'm surely there was an old woman next yeah. to me. She was laughing more than I was. Yeah, 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 yeah. which I found fantastic. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I mean. It is crude, but at the same time, it's quite sharp and it's quite witty. Do you know yeah, what I mean? very, very sharp. It's quite quick, and a lot of times, I feel like kind of gross-out films and crude films, they're quite bogged down mm, with yeah. the material, do you know what I mean? And focus on that kind of gross-out element. Whereas this moved quite fast, and the action sequences were done extremely well, yeah. which is something else to point out. It's not a comedy film... You know, that just has happens to have some action in it. It is a full on action it's superhero, superhero movie. movie. Yeah. yeah. But it's very funny. And you talk about such Baron Cohen. And actually at the same time Grimsby came out yeah. and I saw Grimsby and they're just shocking you for the sake of it. And it wasn't really funny, you just thought, you know, they're now they're doing this bit, like oh the yeah. I won't even go into it. Mm. Um but I, I think that all <laughs> yeah, don't want to go into that at all. 
Um, but it's sharp, and the the gag rate is really high. Yeah. Um, and it lands, I'd say, over fifty percent of it. And I think it's mm. great how quickly they got into it. From the credits, yeah. they just got into it straight away. Yeah, right? the, the credits, and you know, and he he's Brent Ronald sets out his soul. He's like, yeah. you know, if you're expecting to see like a kiddie superhero movie. You know, and you've brought your girlfriend along. I'm really sorry. Like this yeah, yeah, is yeah, not yeah. the movie you're expecting to see at all. But I think and it's you can great, imagine man. a lot of people have taken their birds along. Yeah, well. <laughs> but I've, I mean, it makes it makes Disney rethink superhero movies. Mm, mm. You know, they've still gone on after this. What was Batman versus Superman, X Men, Captain yeah. America, where it's gone back to the normal. It's a deluge. Yeah. But they they thought this would be kind of a, a spin off of X Men, but I think it, it's. No, but it been much better received than the most recent X-Men film. Is it going to spawn a new well, I mean, genre of Suicide Squad movies? took some influence from it. Yeah, well, yeah, Suicide Squad was, I think, probably made at a similar time. So that's the DC film right. based around, you know, the heroes are actually a collection of villains. Right. Um, but I think in terms of people say, you know, nothing like this has been done before, I wouldn't totally agree with that because I think, you know, Marvel hasn't made this film before, but you can look towards Kick-Ass. Yeah, I mean, yeah I'd, I'd say Kick-Ass yeah. is a better film. I love Kick-Ass. I thought yeah. that was genuinely really subversive and really funny and like like this, like hyper-violent, but in a more visceral sense, I'd say. Mm. Um, so I, I think if you're looking if you're looking for something really subversive, I'd say Kick-Ass. And uh, also in terms of things being more adult, I'd, I'd also look at Marvel's TV stuff. So they have got a couple of series on Netflix. Daredevil. I've got um, Jessica Jones. Yeah. I've, I haven't seen all Daredevil, but what I've seen of Jessica Jones, it's um, it's much more adult. I'd, if it was, because TV it's not rated, if it was rated, I'd say it'd be 15 or 18 at least. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's taking itself kind of a little more seriously. There are more jokes, but in a way that the violence and the, uh, the consequences seem a bit more real and a bit more human. It's interesting what you said about Ryan Reynolds as well. I mean, from what you guys have said, it seems like his project, you know. Yeah. And I think it's true that when you have an actor who also kind of takes a producer role and really pushes to bring something to the screen, mm-hmm. they usually get a good performance out of them. You yeah. Know, on a totally different kind of genre. You know, think Matthew McConaughey with Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. terrific performance, partly because he was one of the people pioneering the project. You know, Bradley Cooper and American Sniper. Yeah. You know, I think that definitely plays a part in it and it does feel very much like Reynolds' film. And I really like Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, it's tailor-made for him. Yeah. But that's what I enjoyed about it so much because... You watch, like most Super movies, it's all serious, you know, the good guys are going to win at the end of the day. With this as well, but they had non-stop comedy at the end mm-hmm. where he gets his girlfriend, he kisses her, and he just puts up the phone like, wham. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic. It doesn't yeah. get done, because everyone knows Super movies, it's all kind of, oh, we finally saved the day. Mm. With a, you know, we finally saved the day. Mm. Superheroes, you know, gone to the next franchise. But even this one, in the post-credit scenes, yeah. which is fantastic, you know, it's like, if you're expecting something... Well, nothing's going to happen. Yeah, so yeah, might as well just leave the cinema. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I, I agree, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I don't really watch that many superhero movies just because it's not really my thing. Mm. And, you know, hearing Joe, Joe seen, like, the last three of them or whatever, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, how many can you have in a year? It's oh, so tiring. Well, I, mean, I think it, it, they're yeah. oversaturating the market, I think. I think it will backfire on them. I mean, everything got comes of its time. You know, you had a Westerns era, you had your actions in the late 80s, 90s, mm. and we're going through a really big patch of superheroes now. Yeah. But it seems to be paying off. I Hollywood just, doesn't well, seem to give up the, with the, it. The gravy train hasn't stopped until it does yeah. stop. They won't. But the thing about Disney 
is Disney are happy to oversaturate it and ring yeah. it for every job it has until it, you know, until it ends, yeah. and they'll move on to something else. But now Warner Brothers have joined the bandwagon because now they're yeah, bringing out DC. I don't think the thing about Warner Brothers, and I think the thing. Um, that they don't quite understand is that they think Marvel just stumbled upon this and Disney stumbled upon this and, yeah. you know, it's, it's, an e- it's an easy and quick buck. But if you think about the films that Marvel have done really well out of, um, and, yeah, you know... Spider-Man. It ha- but it hasn't yeah. been a Spider-Man's. You know, it's, that's not owned by Sony. It's been Iron Man. Who the hell was he before Robert Downey Jr. Mm. and John Favreau made that into thing? You know, Thor and Captain America. These were... Oh, see, I like Thor. Yeah, yeah that's no, really like Thor. Yeah, yeah. Because that's funny. But that, that is funny, right. but you know, these, these forms, weren't big characters. People knew about <laughs> Spider-Man and, and X-Men before. Yeah. So they took these relatively minor characters, gave them all successful films, um, turned them into, into big group movies as well. Mm. And what they what they've done hasn't been easy. And what about this they could just saunter along and make new yeah. Batman films, new Superman films, and they'll be really successful automatically. But it won't be, and I think they're finding that. And I think, you know, these films might not be perfect, um, but they could be a lot worse, and I think people will really struggle to recreate well, the success the, of them. That is the thing, because there's all these post, uh, all these Avenger films, and yeah. Captain America films, where there's so many characters. Surely they're running out of material. Well, yeah. But that's the thing, Marvel's such a big universe. There's so many, there's... That yeah, was well, hundreds and hundreds of characters. These comics have been going on for decades and decades yeah. and decades. Uh, so there's, there's a lot to pick from. Um, I hope they they start to thin it out, but Disney have no need to because they'll ring it out and they'll find something else because they always find ways to make it. It'll go, it'll, they'll run it down. They'll run its course. Yeah. They, will, they will completely run we'll it down. We'll hate it by the end of it. Yeah. I've lost plenty of people do already. Well, but, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just, the only thing is a bit sick when you look at the amount of money they're spending on these movies and you yeah, think, yeah. like, you look at the budgets of movies that we've really loved, like Room mm. or something, for $10 million and you think yeah. you could have made 20 of those. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. For this one like Batman versus Superman. Like I think they, they, they try to appeal to the, they do appeal to the younger generation because yeah. millennials like love the superhero movies. Yeah, can't well, get enough of them. Like my little brothers, they like go, you know they go and watch all of them, and it's just like if that's what's in the cinema and they market it properly, like yeah. McDonald's toys and stuff. Mm. It's just a, it's that whole world, isn't it? It is, but you know they could be making worse movies, and I think especially with Star Wars as well. I think they they really outdid did themselves there. You know, they, they could yeah. have made any old tosh and it would have made a bunch of money. Um, yeah, no, they did. Yeah. They, 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 they've tried to do it properly. Well, that's why I'm kind of hoping Deadpool kind of just broke the market slightly. Yeah. They kind of think, oh, we, we've appealed to a new audience now. Mm-hmm. We've, yeah. we've got a, a different... A, An older, older generation yeah, of... Older audience. Yeah. Yeah. With, you know, older jokes. and well, Maybe we might see something special, hopefully. Yeah. That's why I said Suicide Squad. There seems to be a slight influence there. Yeah. We'll mm. see how it pans out. I'm looking yeah. forward to that. So I think it, it could be a bit different. But no one expected it, so it done so well. No one expected, yeah. you know, Ryan, well, as like I said, Ryan Reynolds always had that really comedic type of yeah. sarcastic... Van yeah. Wilder. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We saw it back in Adventureland as well. Yeah, he's... Mm. I mean, Ryan Reynolds just... He's like the kind of guy you could just go for a beer with. And yeah. you can imagine meeting him and he really yeah. wouldn't come across as, like, alien or, no. like, an A-lister who's untouchable. He, he seems like a really down-to-earth guy. And from what I've read of interviews, you know, he, he is. Um, and yeah, I think he's really funny. And 
I think the film done wonders. It really did. Because mm. I'm very almost so sceptical about superhero movies because they're always the same. Yeah. But I couldn't believe it. I was laughing non-stop throughout the movie. Yeah, yeah. I was snickering the whole way through. I think, you know, fantastic. I've never done this in a superhero movie yeah. before. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And so many superhero movies are just, like, non-stop action. And that yeah. I just find that really boring, as yeah. I've already said. Yeah, yeah, and the kind of... We've got probably in, in, a, in the uh, Independence Day film as well, post-Avengers... You see these huge cities being destroyed, and you yeah. just don't feel anything. Like, oh, okay, you kind of zone out. Yeah, uh, there's a city being destroyed, yeah. uh, building being blown up. Yeah. You, know, you do you don't really care about it. And I think that was part of the issue, and we talked about it when I saw it with X Men. Like, oh, blur the city, whatever. Whereas there's none. Of, it's on a much smaller scale. Mm. Deadpool. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's yeah, just yeah. about him and his girlfriend and fighting. It's kind of a it's, reven- a, love, it's a love yeah. story. It's a love yeah. story yeah. and a revenge movie, and they have to be superheroes. Yeah. But I, did, really I didn't feel it was serious yeah. at any point. I just even when the ser- the parts where he came out the flames and yeah. I still like he made me laugh when he goes to see his friend. He was like, oh, you, when he's calling him various names. And yeah, it's yeah. Just, yeah. topographical <laughs> map of Ohio. But, that, but that's why it's great is because yeah. it doesn't fall foul at the end. It doesn't try and yeah. cash yeah. in on the sentiment. No, you know what I mean, it knows exactly what it is, and you know it stays true to that up to the final scene. Yeah, I'm surprised there's only other two super well, three two superheroes and one villain, in it, yeah. really, which is good. I mean, they try and keep it to a minimal. That's yeah. what works. And they make jokes sure about good. you know when he goes to the X Men house, yeah. like, oh, isn't it weird that there's only two of you here? Looks <laughs> <laughs> <Let's laughs> like you have the rights to the other the other superheroes. Yeah, like, yeah. It's like you could afford to, another superhero. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Marvel willing to poke the fun at you know their ridiculous intellectual property. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jigsaw yeah, but going on there. No, overall, overall, I enjoyed it. I think it was a good super movie. Yeah. I don't know if I will see another super movie where I feel that passionately about. Mm. I'm hoping Suicide Squad, yeah. I'm banking on, mm. but I doubt it. And the way it's looking, see Marvel's like five, ten year plan, it's not looking any good. Yeah, if you like the first kick ass film, I'd say go see Deadpool. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. Fully endorsed yeah. here at EAC. Right, well, thank you very much, Nathan, for that and for the pleasure. whole show, for coming in. Yeah, it's and been a um, yeah, no, it's been a really fun show. We're picking up quite a lot of traction on Twitter, so anyone who wants to follow us, it's our handle is fcritic. <laughs> yeah, Samuel's so, okay, so hard. I'm working really hard for getting us I can't actually remember the handle. Uh, we'll put it on the Facebook page. Yeah. We'll put it on the Facebook page. Um, thanks very much for listening, guys, and yeah, catch us next fortnight. It's goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. Oh, it was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank Thank you, Nathan. (laughs) Goodbye.